nothing will be here any minute. I will just sit here and let it take me away too. Stop me. What's going on guys? My name is Elden Nero and welcome to episode 126 of the Midnight Hour. Um it feels really weird this whole time, doesn't it? Like with the with the virus and the whole staying inside all the time. I can't quite explain it. Like I always thought to myself that if I had lots and lots of free time, I would read, I would uh, get really good at video games, I'd do lots of live streaming, I'd make lots of podcasts, I'd try and turn my online hobbies into revenue. And like, I haven't done any of that stuff. I've completely let myself down. Even when it comes to my actual job, which I'm doing from home, I can't seem to summon the motivation to get through any of it. Like the, the business as usual stuff, I'm doing like the bare minimum to keep people off my back. And other than that, I am like doing basically nothing. It's really strange how just being inside all day actually completely saps you of motivation. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really strange times. If any of you have been put out of work or anything like that. I hope that you're availing of the, you know, the relevant stimulus packages uh, in your country. Hope that everybody in your family and your extended networks are safe. And um, yeah, it's it's just it's just bizarre. It's one of those things like uh, you know I'll remember this when I'm older. <laughs> this is like you know the 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 conservatives always say this generation hasn't had any difficulty or they haven't had any struggles well let me tell you not being able to leave the house for a long time is quite the struggle it turns out even for a man like me who is afraid to leave the house uh most of the time um so what was the other thing that i was gonna say i have a few podcasts lined up with different guests um most of them will be returning. I don't know when you're likely to get these, but like the one good thing about everyone being stuck inside is that everyone is at their computer a lot of the time. So um, I'm hoping to do some new things. I'm hoping to maybe do a couple of live streams this weekend. I've been playing a lot of um, Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, as everybody knows, but I feel like I've gotten like kind of good at it um definitely better than i was at the old game and it's definitely a more appealing game to stream to people i know that like some of you have come out to old streams i did a few months ago um in uh, age of empires and like even though none of you cared about the game at all it was still cool to interact with everybody in the chat and stuff like that so i hope to be doing more stuff like that in the coming days um and then like depending on how long this quarantine business goes on for like who knows what might happen in the future um i don't really have anything like political to say or anything like that um i don't really think that there's any value in me adding to the discourse that is already available but i hope that you're all having like a nice week and that um you know that you're like doing positive things because <laughs> i know that that's really hard on on saint patrick's day um i actually had to work saint patrick's day even though i was working from home and i know that i'm like super blessed to be still in a job um and a job that i'm able to do from home and also like my job is like really important <laughs> uh I kind of am in charge of a, a lot of important people's money throughout the day and stuff like that. So I have to be on hand. And um, on St. Patrick's Day, I just felt pretty miserable. Like I, there was just no semblance of a day off because of the fact that I had to work. And then 
Um, I ended up staying a little bit later than usual. And then that night, uh, Dropkick Murphys did this live stream from an empty venue in Boston. And um, I would really recommend that everybody goes to their YouTube channel and watches the show because it's it's so good. And like I'm not like a particularly huge fan of the Dropkicks. I really like punk rock music and I like the style of punk rock that they do. Um, it's just that I they, they don't really have a whole lot of like variation and it, if I'm in the mood for it it's perfect it's just I find that I, I much prefer different strands of punk rock um, even like bland you know um, skateboard punk rock by numbers I listen to it over and over and over but with the dropkick stuff it's I have to be a certain type of way I have to have had a certain amount of drinks and that's the way that I was with um with this show and uh i don't know there was just something very like nice about it it's, like something very unique about um i guess like just collectively sharing this strange experience with like millions of people around the world i think it has like 1.7 million views or it may have more at the at the time of recording this that was like last week um but i've done stuff like that i've watched a few concerts online i watched um dave hawes uh did a show on this website called stage it and it was riddled with connection errors it wasn't quite um at the same standard of production as the dropkicks but like it was still a, a pretty fun thing to do and um i like hearing about stuff like that because i think it's a nice distraction and it gives me this sense of like collective sort of hope um because a lot of the stuff that i read on the internet tends to be overwhelmingly negative. I tend to seek out negative news because I have this, um, what would you call it? Not like a code. I have, I have this, um, over the last couple of years, I've wanted to branch out of the, the so-called echo chamber. And instead of following people who share all of my views, I, I, I now get my news from loads of different places. And some of the other places that I get my news from have some really stupid, and wrong opinions <laughs> about a lot of things um but that can lead me into this sort of like pretty negative uh train of thought so geez i really can't get comfortable here i'm trying to like adjust my the sleeves on my hoodie and i don't know i hope you're comfortable wherever you are and um i assume you're listening to this on friday night maybe it'll be thursday night i don't know um one of the other things that i've been doing to keep myself occupied cheers is um watching stuff on the internet and i watched the tiger king the whole documentary it's only like seven episodes and they're all around the 45 minute mark i think um if you haven't watched this you should watch it just so that you understand the full context of all of the memes that are going to flood your instagram twitter and everything for the next few weeks but um it is just an unbelievable display of car crash television that you just cannot stop watching. It's actually sensational. Um, just when you think your opinion of the characters in it can't get any lower, like someone just casually comes out with some sentence that makes you go like, oh my god. And they say it like as if it's just normal. Like as normal as me saying, I like chocolate. Like, I don't know, man. It's really, really weird. I knew about some of it already going into it because um, Joe Exotic and his two husbands were on uh, Louis Theroux's documentary where he, he did like um, an episode of his docu-series on um wildlife and and people in america who have extremely dangerous animals as pets um so i knew some of the stuff but jesus even that couldn't have prepared me for what i saw <laughs> and learned um and it's really it, it's like particularly interesting because it's so niche and it's so out there and it's so uniquely american i feel um that it's this kind of show that you just watch as if it is like i said a car crash um, but when you think about if you remove yourself from the like meme sphere of it and just think about it logically um, or think about it emotionally, maybe there is no angle from which you can view this show as anything other than like a, a tragedy and just an existential horror, to be honest. Um, it, it has just about every single red flag in the DSM five or whatever iteration of that um, mental health checklist we're at at the moment um what was the other thing that i was going to say i've been watching the expanse 
Um, that's like a space TV show. I remember uh, during its first season, I was hugely into it, and now I've got back into it again. Uh, that's really good. Yeah, the other thing about the, the Tiger King that's really interesting to me is that like it's really, really sad and really, really horrible. Um, but people are making a joke out of it because it's just... I, I don't know what it is, but it's like it's of a certain type of, of carnival-esque or circus-esque um class or something like that that people just feel like it's okay to make fun of it and it, it kind of reminds me of wrestling the way like chris benoit um is like a really you know he's responsible for one of the most horrific crimes ever committed by like a famous person or, or an athlete and it's mostly just an event for which people come together and make memes about um and it's because nobody takes wrestlers seriously as people and it's the same with this Tiger King thing. Nobody thinks that anybody involved in it is an actual person. Um, so they kind of dehumanize them and make memes out of them, I guess. But, like, holy shit, I feel like that's a natural coping mechanism when you get through some of the shit that is on that show. Like, good lord. Um, so, yeah, like, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy and motivated during this time? I would actually genuinely love to know because I am finding it quite the struggle just to stay focused on anything um particularly with work like i i've kind of like i almost feel like bad about myself because i'm doing so little like it, it doesn't feel good to just sit there doing nothing you know like procrastination is a very short-term reward but a very long-term like negative impact on yourself and that's the kind of um that's the kind of vibe that i'm feeling and i'm not particularly loving it to be honest but um we have a good topic today, I think. Uh, this one just came to me one day, and a year and a half later, here I am, <laughs> all ready to record it. Uh, maybe this will be one of the good things to come out of this whole situation, is that I finally fucking did this podcast that I have had in the locker for quite a long time. So, um, as you can tell from the title, I have named this the worst lyrics in the world, or maybe just the worst lyrics. Title is not yet finalized, but I know I'm going to call it the worst lyrics as opposed to my least favorite lyrics because I've decided to come at this from a place of conviction and to make arguments and not say stuff like, oh, well, I personally feel like, no, I think I'm actually being pretty objective here uh, when it comes to a lot of the things that I'm going to say. So um, I asked on, uh, let me check, I asked this on the Ask Reddit page and Every time I ask anything there, I get pretty much no response at all. So let me just check. Yeah, three comments. I said, what are some of the worst lyrics you've ever heard? Someone replied saying, I got my hand up on the throttle, holding up a broken bottle, ready to cut you up and gut you like a fucking avocado. Um, that is from Rolling Stone by Falling in Reverse. Yep, that is pretty bad. And this one guy goes... Pick literally any Cardi B song you want. See, I I thought that if I ever entertained this idea as a topic and I had somebody else on the show, that they would go down this kind of route of picking like, oh, uh, Work by Rihanna. That that one is always heralded as like a, the, the epitome of awful lyrics. And like, let me just quickly Google the lyrics in that so that I know that that's definitely the song. Yeah, yeah work, work, work. He said me half. Like, so all of this stuff... Um, the way that I, this is going to sound like quite pretentious, I think, but the way that I would judge a lyric to be bad is not if it seems like this dry me, ad desert him. Like, yeah, I know it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. It, it doesn't strike you as if it's a Sylvia Plath poem or whatever, but, um, I think it probably is portraying the message that it's trying to portray. Like, I'm sure that this is a song about something that I don't know about, some subculture I'm not involved in. Like, it's either about dancing or, like, some fucking... It's just, it's just part of a culture that I don't understand, but I'm sure it's portraying its message. Um, and I think the same thing about Cardi B. Like, her whole thing is, like, that she came from the hood and she's telling stories about her upbringing and how rough it was, and I feel like she tells all of that pretty well in her songs. Like, she's not coming out and saying, like, I am the goddess of poetry and you shall hereby listen to my lyrics as such. Like, I, I don't think that that's really a fair way to judge it. Um, there are a lot of bands who act as if they're 
let's say uh, as if they're like trying to tell all these stories when in actual fact they're just making they're, they're just like heavily produced artists who don't really feel anything that they're saying um, and I guess that's kind of the type of bad lyric that I'm looking for like it's really hard to explain but I just don't feel like there's any value in comparing a Nicki Minaj song to a Beatles song and saying like oh boy this generation sure has put out some fucking garbage music or whatever because like the Beatles also had songs like Revolution 9 and like all sorts of fucking absolute garbage so um, I just don't really see the value in doing that and I think it'll become clear as I go on like what exactly I think is a bad lyric <laughs> and why it's a bad lyric so like hopefully that's a good enough disclaimer for people there to get There are some through. songs that are just about either having sex or dancing or else some weird kind of symbolic version of both of those things combined and I don't feel the need to pick those apart because they're about shallow topics and they're told in a shallow way and they're not really trying to be anything other than that. And I think the same thing about like gangster rap, like they're telling stories that are, um, uh, what's the word here? Like of a certain environment and they're telling them in the means that people within that environment would tell them from. And it's to add that extra layer of reality to what they're saying. And so I don't feel like it, there's any sense in picking them apart either. So, um, with that fairly lengthy disclaimer out of the way, Nickelback are <laughs> Nickelback are like a band that everybody hates, and it's cool to hate them and all that. And oftentimes, I find myself being the guy who stands up for whoever the most hated person is. Like, for example, in 2012, a lot of you will remember I shilled for Rebecca Black and for Justin Bieber because I felt as if the hate against them was so overblown in comparison to what they had actually done. Like the crimes they were being accused of, stuff like Justin Bieber ruined music and all, like it was pretty nonsensical. He was a teenager who made music for little kids and the little kids would get very giddy in the comment sections of his videos and people just decided that that was reason enough to go on to every Guns N' Roses video and say stuff like, oh, this is way better than some lesbian called Justin Bieber or whatever. Like, there's just, there's just no need for that. But with Nickelback, it's like, not only is their music the most formulaic, derivative version of that kind of nonsense, but Chad Kruger genuinely thinks that he's some kind of Bruce Springsteen figure. Like, he's so deluded. And he once said that Nickelback were the most diverse band in the world. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? In what planet are they diverse? Like, nearly every single one of their songs sounds the exact same. I know they had, like, a couple albums ago, they had, like, a track with Flowrida or Maroon 5 or some shit. And, like, they were doing stuff that was even more poppy and mass-produced than their usual stuff. Um... He said that Stone Sour are trying to sound like Nickelback. Like, how fucking deluded do you have to be to think that basically every band with a guitar are trying to copy his band, which also have guitars? Like, it's such a fucking weird thing to say. Um, the thing, like, the thing about Nickelback is that if I, if I were, like, say, a record label producer or the head of a management crew or whatever like I would fight to get Nickelback signed because they're basically a soft rock hit factory and they are money and like I understand all of that but the other thing about Nickelback is that Chad Kruger is like the horniest man in the world and it bleeds into his song lyrics in the cringiest and like quite frankly unhealthy way um they have a song and the title is called <clears throat> sorry just true up in my mouth a little bit uh, the title is called Something in Your Mouth, right? And uh, the lyrics go, I love the way you dance with anybody and tease them all by sucking your thumb. You're so much cooler when you never pull it out because you look so much cuter with something in your mouth. Like, what the hell, man? Like, sit, like, sit down. Like, have a shower. Like, I don't know. That's not a way to be talking to anybody. Uh, and here are some lines from their song Midnight Queen. Sorry, it just gives me great fucking dread to be delivering these lyrics to. She's gonna lick my pistol clean. She's got a hold on me and ain't letting go. She's gonna be my sex machine and I can never get her under control. She's gonna climb all over me. I'm like a pony in my own rodeo. 
And here is a line from their song S-E-X. S is for the simple need, E is for the ecstasy, X is just to mark the spot because that's the one you really want. Like, just fucking, I don't, like, make a 30-second YouTube video that says you're horny, like, or that you want to have sex, or, like, I don't know, like, after your show, ask if any of the women in the show want to have sex with you. Like, I don't fucking know what you rockstar kind of guys like to do, but this stuff reminds me of, like, Jay in the Inbetweeners, when he's making up all these fake stories. Like, nobody fucking talks like that to anybody in the world. It's just so... Uh, I don't know. It, it quite frankly tur- turns my stomach. <laughs> like, is anybody genuinely like aroused by this? I would love to. Obviously, there's only like four women listening to this show or whatever. But like, uh, does anybody know of any woman in the world who's actually like physically attracted to this man apart from Avril Lavigne? Because like, I would really need to see some kind of evidence that those people exist. Um, but then there's the other stuff where he's like really sappy and. Um, just very i don't know like i like i don't think that those lyrics are any good at trying to tell the thing like they're terrible lyrics they're not even remotely sexy like they don't make anybody think like oh wow geez that's like pretty hot and heavy like oh very good line oh i i bet you you'll pull a lot of women with with those kind of like no one's saying that but in their song photograph which is famous for being so well fucking parodied by itself by just cutting the word photo out of the song um but in like the first couple of lines, it's like, uh, and it goes like, how did our eyes get so red? And what the hell is on Joey's head? And it's like, I can't answer that question, Chad. Only you can. And it's fine that the lyrics are just telling you that the song is about a guy reminiscing with someone else. Like he's singing it to you and you're the other person. But like, it's, this is such a like, oh, the fat cat sat on the hat kind of, like, really lazy rhyming. Like, I know that Red Eye used to be in photographs and now it isn't, and that's supposed to be some kind of profound, like, nostalgic kind of statement, but you didn't have to rhyme it with somebody having an unidentifiable object on their head. Like, how many things could it actually be? Like, how many different things could possibly be on Joey's head? It's just, oh, I don't know, man. It just strikes me as so lazy and cringy, and he's trying to do the whole Bruce Springsteen, like, oh, I'm an everyman, and I experience every man emotions and oh look at this what was on joey's head do you remember joey jesus that thing he had on his head i don't know um but anyway we'll move on to drake and i know that you all know that i love drake and i will defend him against pretty much most attacks because i think he's an important artist but there's something that's just so obnoxiously drake about drake like he's obnoxious in a way that nobody else in all of entertainment is I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he's a narcissist, but he's definitely one of the most self-important famous people out there. He's known for being very emotional, and he's often criticized, maybe fairly, for his, like, uh, how would you say, that, like, hand on his sleeve, or heart on his sleeve kind of lyrics. Um, Or, like, the way that he can go from rapping some killer lines into longingly mourning a girl who left the milk out overnight when she went back to his 295 million dollar condo like stuff like that he's just he goes from being like oh yeah i'm a badass i'm the number one everyone wants to be like me to being like super clingy over something that's really not like all that and and that's fine too you're allowed to have those emotions but he does it in i don't know like I don't know how to explain it. I Like, I do really like his lyrical style. He's almost a documentarian for a lifestyle that very few of us will ever even get close to observing in any capacity. And I'm fascinated by the idea of his mother checking up on him using the Google Alerts. I think he says that in You and the Six. Um, or the way he tries to sell his mother on the idea that, like, maybe his dad wasn't such a bad guy and stuff like that. But I've noticed that Drake is almost completely incapable of expressing emotion towards other people like even when he's sing talking directly to a girl it's stuff like you believed in everything but me girl i don't get you or in in fact that whole song shot for me from uh take care is a great example of his self-importance like it's almost like the way that Donald Trump says stuff that completely lacks humility, that's what I think Drake is like in Shot For Me. He's like, first I made you who you are, and then I made it, and it's just so... And, yeah, and there's a part, and he says, where, cause, and you know that I deserve it. It's just so, like, 
he's like, yeah, I'm great, and everyone knows that I'm great, and you are a woman who also thinks that I'm great. Um, but the most egregious of these lyrics, in my opinion, comes from the album Scorpion in a track called March 14th. And I don't know if you're all aware of this, but Drake was involved in this huge scandal in the in the rap world where it was discovered that he had a secret child. And like, I don't really have any judgment on that situation because it's not my place to say. And I get all of my Drake information from the internet or Pusha T lyrics. But there's definitely a sense in the world that Drake didn't want to have this kid like I read stuff that he wanted to have the kid aborted like I read lots of horrible things I don't know if any of it is true or whatever and um, but in this song he's trying to counteract that kind of uh, feeling he's he's trying to push against that narrative and he comes out with this lyric <clears throat> October baby for irony's sake of course I got this 11 tatted for somebody now it's yours like the way he says October baby for irony's sake, which is about how his kid was born in the same month as him, it seems like he's almost annoyed by it. Like he's saying like, oh, of course, the irony, of course my fucking kid was born in my fucking birthday month. Ah, typical. But the following line is the shallowest, coldest, and most distant kind of gesture you could possibly make for a child like dedicating to them a tattoo that you got for somebody else like i think that that is borderline psychopathy it's it's so like i've heard of people like their kid is born they go out and get a tattoo that same day like i've seen obviously people with names of their kids tattoos them and stuff but like having an having a tattoo that you got for a woman and being like oh well that didn't work out i guess this tattoo is now repurposed and it's for my kid like ah oh, that seems so fucking horrible to me i can't even quite explain what it is but that just seems so wrong to me um and i'll just stop here for a moment to say one thing i googled um before this i googled like what are the worst lyrics ever and and there are some there's one that's like i don't like to see a ghost it's the side i fear the most i'd rather have a piece of toast and watch the evening news that that line i forget what song it's from i don't even care um but it's widely considered to be the worst lyric ever written um and that's fine whatever um but one that always comes up is um like on any of these lists of worst lyrics or whatever people always say should I stay or should I go? And I think I've probably been guilty of this one before uh, because it feels like it's a really clever criticism to make because the line goes, well, if I go, there will be trouble and if I stay, it will be double. Um, so it's like, ah, oh, easy answer. You have to go. The go would represent the least amount of trouble. But it's a song about a failing relationship and he's issuing an ultimatum to his girlfriend and he's saying that one day it's fine and the next it's black. So if we're going to have to like repair this broken relationship or else bring it to its natural conclusion and in order to do that, you are going to have to figure out if you want me to stay or if you want me to go. And that's why he says, if I go, there will be trouble. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if I stay, it will be double. Because he feels like he's in a situation where he just can't win. It's lose-lose no matter what he does. And he's delivering his side of the argument. So, fuck off. The Clash are the best. And you can all fuck off. <laughs> no, but I do, I do really love The Clash. And uh, when people are mean about them, it makes me sad. So, um... What are my other bullet points that I have here? Um, oh, yeah, okay. So there's a certain style of lyric writing where the writers will lean on the fact that they're either on drugs or they're making music for people who are on drugs. And I guess the birth of this is like the concept of psychedelia as it exists in music. Like if you think about a song like I Am The Walrus or Lucy In The Sky With Diamonds, obviously it's nonsense that's supposed to be either otherworldly or like psychedelia that's beamed in from another realm the other realm being the place that you go when you're high on drugs and like that's fine and i think even in dream pop or shoegaze or any of these genres that are supposed to represent either mindlessness or hypnagogic states i fucking hope that's how you pronounce hypnagogic it's when you're halfway between asleep and awake and everything is a little bit weird um oh my god i have a story for all of you holy shit i can't believe i forgot to tell this um i'll come back to what i'm saying here <clears throat> i i suffer from um 
Oh shit, what's the word for it? Sleep apnea. Yes, I suffer from sleep apnea, but there's another sleep thing that I... Sleep paralysis. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's when you are half awake, half asleep, and you feel a sensation as though you're pinned to your bed because you can't move any of your limbs. You can only move your eyes. Um, you try and scream, but you can't, and oftentimes you'll be visited by a demon or something like that. Um, in... Uh, there's like a few studies that show that in other cultures in states of sleep paralysis people aren't visited by demons they're visited by angels and um, all sorts of hallucinations and things like that are considered to be good because they just don't have the cultural context of demons like we do um, so sleep paralysis isn't like a super scary thing um, also sleep paralysis is used to um, explain away most um like hauntings that are reported like people will say like oh i got visited by a ghost and i couldn't move in my bed and it's like yeah that's that's sleep paralysis my dude but um i i first got it in like 2016 i think or maybe 2015 and i don't get it frequently but i do get it whenever i'm stressed and over the last like year and a half i, I think i've i've you know told everybody this before but i suffer from really bad insomnia and because of that, I, I fall into a state of sleep paralysis relatively often, like let's say once every four to six weeks, I would imagine at this point. Um, but the demons that visit me have gotten a little bit more clever because I get less and less uh, scared by it now. And it's more like, oh, this is just a thing that happens. Um, and oftentimes I try to move the ends of my fingers and then eventually I can move my hand and then eventually I'm awake and then roll over and go back to sleep. But this one, I had this one like really, really, really unique type of sleep paralysis. Um, and it was fucking ages ago. And I meant to say it in a podcast and I completely forgot. And just the fact that I said the word hypnagogic, um, which again, I hope is how you pronounce <laughs> that word. Um, but I was, um, I was in the house by myself and I woke up so this is the sleep paralysis and I'll say everything as I experienced it rather than the scientific explanation for it um but I woke up uh, and I heard like a noise um of somebody walking along the floorboards outside my room and I was like oh shit I know that I'm in the house by myself which means that I'm now being burgled um I'm just gonna pretend to play dead or something like that so like I close my eyes um, for like a few seconds and then when I opened them everything in my room was gone like I have so many I have, I have three screens in my room I have um, an Xbox a PlayStation I have two PCs um, I just have lots of like really expensive shit in here and I was like oh my god the TV is gone my TV in front of my bed is gone the one next to my bed is gone like I was able to turn my head which is pretty weird like it, that makes me feel like it wasn't sleep paralysis it was more of a nightmare but I know that it was sleep paralysis because all the other sensations were there and I couldn't move my body but I was trying so hard to get up and run down the stairs just to see if the other TVs in the house were taken and stuff like that but when I say like the TV was gone I mean like I could see the imprint of the like the part where the TV was taken up off the desk, like the indent of, you know, where the, the dust around it was, you know what I mean? So like once the TV was lifted up, there was a, a clean spot on the table with no dust. Like that's how vivid and accurate this version of sleep paralysis was. And I was just looking like, just tilting my head to the bottom of my bed like looking like I, I couldn't move any other part of my body I could only move my head and um, but I could see all these things and I could see the dust like rising from where it was lifted and it just felt so vivid um and so like I don't know just so horrible and the fear that I felt in that moment it, it wasn't just the fear of the fact that I couldn't move my body or anything like that it was the fear that someone had walked into my room seen me sleeping and taken all the stuff um but none of it happened <laughs> I managed to move my hands and then I sat up and then all my stuff was still there and uh it was just like an extreme fucking hallucination but it was so fucking scary like I cannot I really really can't express to you how scary this was as an experience um but yeah, it was it was that's definitely like the absolute worst case of sleep paralysis that I've ever had. Um and then was there something else? Yeah, so one of the things that I think was going on was that I was super stressed at the time uh with stuff that was going on in my job. Um this was before I moved to my new job in January. Um and then the other thing is I take this um 
this thing to go to sleep called melatonin it's the melatonin is the chemical in your brain that makes you sleepy and i take like 10 milligrams of it before i go to sleep and i think the recommended dosage is like three or something um so i get these extremely vivid dreams sometimes and i think just this point of sleep paralysis happened exactly where the sleep paralysis met the vivid dream dose or whatever of melatonin and so it became vivid sleep paralysis <laughs> like the worst fucking kind but some of the dreams that i have from melatonin are insane as well like this some of them are so just um fantastical and amazing and completely memorable when i wake up and others are super mundane and i'll wake up and wonder if they're things that i actually did in real life and i read somewhere online that one of the side effects of melatonin uh, when used long term is that people develop memory loss or not memory loss but like confusion where they're like i don't know if i did this thing or if i didn't or if it happened in a dream and i've been taking melatonin for around I would say a year now and I'm really starting to get there like I'm seeing how hard it can be um, but that was a really cool little segue in the middle of the podcast so um, I have a bottle of whiskey next to me and it's staring at me and I'm uh, like I feel like I should do a shot of it but um, uh, we'll give it a minute maybe uh, so what I was saying before was uh, oh, I remember saying the word shoegaze I think I'm I was probably saying that if um, some of the lyrics in shoegaze tend to be real sludgy and dreamy and and they don't really like they don't kind of have a strong kind of meaning to them but they make sense if you imagine them in the context of hypnagogia <laughs> which i hope is a word um so like when it comes to shoegaze you'll have to uh, experience a, a suspension of not disbelief but that kind of rigor um and like you know it's actually good that the lyrics are vague because they lift you out of this reality to escape into the dream pop one that they're trying to create um and that's fine and psychedelia is fine but there is one band that we simply cannot allow to get away with this kind of bullshit anymore and it's the red hot chili peppers and i think like their lyrics are the shallowest and most meaningless garbage out there and to be clear i don't think this is about every song like i actually think under the bridge is a, an absolutely fantastic song both musically and lyrically and they're obviously an extremely talented band and all of that but come on lyrics like do you want to go dancing in Chicago? Trinidad's got it bad for tobacco. Take me to the lake where we do the avocado. Hallelujah, a desperado. That's a, Weirdly, that is the second awful lyric in this podcast that involves the word avocado. Um, or up to my ass in alligators. Let's get it on with the alligator haters. Did what you did, what you said. No. Did what you did, did what you said what's the point yo what's the spread and it's sort of like fine sometimes music is communicating something other than just the words and it's not like put forward as some kind of amazing english literature masterpiece but check out this song called sucker train blues by velvet revolver um i don't know if you guys remember velvet revolver were a supergroup where the um, so Guns N' Roses went fucking mental and they disbanded maybe it's just Axl Rose went mental or he went to work on Chinese democracy which I think if I'm remembering this type this this history correctly I think Chinese democracy was basically just an Axl Rose album um, all of the stuff recorded with Guns N' Roses was abandoned and Axl Rose made a new Guns N' Roses with new people like there was no Slash or Duff or the other people in that band who presumably exist uh, instead it was a bunch of studio artists i think like touring musicians or whatever um and the other guys like slash and duff and again the other people who i assume exist they formed a group with scott wyland who was the lead singer of stone temple pilots and um they velvet revolver released two albums and they were just like oh we're just here to rock but they were like about i i would say 10 to 15 years too late for the type of music they were trying to make and um i like their two albums like i genuinely do like them but i don't think that they're good um and sucker train blues i think is the opening track to the first album that they did and um it goes i'll just read it off i'll just read it off the sheet i i know it off by heart but i want to read it off the sheet 
Hands are shaking, got your finger on the trigger. Jesus ain't complaining, gonna figure it out. Somebody raped my tapeworm abortion. Come on, motherfuckers, and deliver the cow. Brains and bodies melting while there's roaches multiplying. It's the alien infection, it's the coming of Christ. All these sentimental halos and these consequential angels, when I'm running with the devil, don't deliver the fight. And don't get me wrong, I love Scott Weiland, and I am aware that he spent most of the 90s absolutely caked out of his head. But these lyrics don't even mean nothing. They mean less than nothing. Like, they're not even shallow lyrics created as an ode to partying in a seedy cocaine basement or whatever. This is actual unmitigated nonsense that got vomited onto a page and approved in the name of saving rock and roll. Like, I'll forgive Noel Gallagher for writing slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball, because at least it's followed immediately by the line, where were you while we were getting high? And you can technically work your way out of having to explain that line by saying, look, drugs are involved here, and Champagne Supernova is a really dreamy song. But I just cannot forgive come on motherfuckers and deliver the cow also side note um when noel gallagher was asked to explain the line slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball his answer was i don't know i wrote slowly walking down the hall and then i thought what rhymes with hall (laughs) yeah cannonball is the only word that rhymes with hall he's definitely right there Um, I guess another band who tries to use the dreamy clause to get out of horrible lyrics would be the kings of sentimental light rock, and that is Coldplay, uh, who I've always thought have very, very bad lyrics, and it blows my mind the way people hold Coldplay up as some sort of bastion and savior of rock music just because they're humble lads who look like they're commuting between university and their call center jobs. I just said that because that's what I did. I used to work in a call center when I was in uni and I looked like I was in Coldplay, so don't get offended. Um, But some Coldplay lyrics are genuinely terrible. Like from their most sentimental track ever, the lines, lights will guide you home and ignite your bones is a great example of how just wishy-washy nonsensical they are. Like the sentiment is sweet and endearing, But Chris Martin clearly just wanted words that rhymed here, and he just fucking went with whatever. And I've heard people try and defend this as like, oh, but it's bringing life to a person's body. It's, ah, just shut up. Another one I've heard that I think is really, really awful, but people try to tell me is actually good, is from the line, is... I think it's uh, I think it's the song Every Teardrop is a Waterfall. It has like a kind of a Celtic almost sounding beat to it. But the line goes, don't want to see another generation drop. I'd rather be a comma than a full stop. Like, Jesus Christ almighty, this is some seriously wishy-washy 16-year-old CSPE student fucking nonsense. And I've ranted about this lyric to friends before, and they've asked me if I understand the lyric. Like, Jesus Christ, lads, it's not hard to see what he's doing here. He doesn't want this generation to end, and the full stop is the symbol, is, is the symbol of the end. But honestly, this is just real bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. And in this same song, he also says the line... Actually, is it in that same song? I think it is. It goes like, maybe I'm in the black, maybe I'm on my knees, maybe I'm in the gap between the two trapeze. (laughs) Like, he so obviously just fucking Googled what rhymes with knees and saw the word trapeze and was like, yeah, sure, we'll give that a go. And um, another big rock band who gets away with this would be The Killers. And I know Brandon Flowers gets like super sensitive when people mention this song, but Are We Human or Are We Dancer is such a load of fucking tripe. Like, and when he was asked what that song meant um, in some interview back in like 2010 or something like that, he said, it's a dance song. And if you don't understand what it means, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, I'd go so far as to say that that line is actually the least offensive one in the song too, because it starts out with the words, I did my best to notice when the call came down the line up to the platform of surrender. I was brought, but I was kind. And sometimes I get nervous when I see an open door. Close your eyes, clear your heart, cut the cord. 
are we human or are we that like this is fucking ridiculous if you start a sentence with i did my best to notice you would be well served to explain the thing that you were attempting to notice but he doesn't do that like he trails off and starts another sentence and this verse is just a collection of fragments of sentences like it's just a compilation of words very few of which go together to form any semblance of coherence whatsoever and i don't understand how they got away with that like how are people like going around thinking they're so sophisticated because they're able to walk all over Oasis fans for being simple and original, but they trot out this shite and act as if it's the pinnacle of high art. Like, Brandon Flowers said that the first Killers album was him trying to be the Pet Shop Boys and that the second one was him trying to be the Arctic Monkeys. Like, it's fairly obvious that he doesn't know how to imitate anything. In the song When You Were Young, there's a part where he says, they say the devil's water, it ain't so sweet. You don't have to drink right now. And this kind of lyric drives me mad. I can't really explain why. Like, I understand the concept of a poetic license and that you're allowed to just, within the world that you've created in your poem, you're allowed to create the rules within it and stuff like that. But you can't just invent a cliche. Like, for example, they say there's no point in crying over spilled milk. Or they say that every dog will have his day. They say no man is an island. They say... And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold says so. Like, these are things that exist as cliches. Nobody says the devil's water, it ain't so sweet, you don't have to drink right now. Like, it doesn't mean anything. It's a completely hollow statement that's trying to communicate profundity but is just completely void of it. Devoid of it or void of it? Sometimes I say devoid and then I wonder, is it an actual word? Um... But another person who did the same thing was Kanye West on the song Heard Him Say, which I think is a really, really good song, and it's my favorite Adam Levine moment in the world. <laughs> but he says, they say people in your life are seasons, and everything that happens is for a reason. And it's like, yeah, they do say everything happens for a reason, but nobody says anything about people resembling seasons. Like, that's not a thing. You could have just said... They say everything that happens is for a reason, and then find another way to shoehorn the word season in there. But um, Kanye is not really known as a as, as a bastion of, of lyricism either. He's actually got some really, really bad lyrics, even for the messages that he's trying to portray. And I don't mean bad in the sense that, like, oh, well, it's rap, so it's all nonsense. I mean, like, in Runaway on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, it starts off with the line... She found pictures in my email. I sent this bitch a picture of my dick. I don't know what it is with females, but I'm not so good at that shit. It's like, have you tried not sending pictures of your genitalia to them? Because generally they like that, unless they've requested otherwise. Um, and then I suppose like there's other lines on that album, like, have you ever had sex with a pharaoh? Put the pussy in a sarcophagus. <laughs> And I know that he put that line in there just so that he could rhyme it with the next line that says, now she claimed that I bruise her esophagus, which is uh, in order to imply that his, his penis is so large that it causes her body physical harm, which again is like a weird thing to be bragging about, but I suppose rap is kind of full of stuff like that. Um, and on the album, uh, what was the album that had wolves on it? The Life of Pablo? Um... The, this song actually fucking pisses me off so much. The song Wolves with Sia, um, or Sia. Is her name Sia or Sia? Someone comment. <laughs> Tell me, is it S-I-A or S-I-A? Um, he, he played this live with her on... Uh, fucking... Was it like Saturday Night Live or something like that? And um, it seemed like a super cool song. And it was going... He said that it was going to be the opening track of his next album, which at the time was going to be called So Help Me God um but wolves was really good like it had um a very strong atmospheric vibe to it and it it sounded like paranoid and scared but also um i don't know like it, it was a very dark kind of song and i really liked it and then by the time it came out on the album he had fucked around with it so much because he figured out that he could change his album while it was already in existence and he came up with this line at the end that goes like I know there's corny bitches you wish you could unfollow. I know there's corny uh, men you wish you could unswallow. And it is just the fucking worst line ever. Like, honestly, it is such a fucking cringe-inducing line. And you know that he's singing it to Kim about the fact that she has a sex type with another man. And 
I don't know, there's just something like so fucking, um, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Like, it's like an offensive thing to say about a person, but it's also, it's completely like stripped of any kind of, it's like, it's like such a distant and non-loving thing to say to a person. Um, I don't know, I can't quite explain what I mean, um, but it's not even that that makes it so bad, it's the fact that on, um, what track was it? The one that goes like do 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 new slaves, where it goes. Um, you see, there's leaders and there's followers, but I'd rather be a dick than a swallower. That's like a really like I don't think it's like the best line ever, but I think it's a, a relatively clever line that stands out on the album. And he he figured out at that moment that he could rhyme the words follow and swallow. And so he lifted that and put it into Wolves in this repackaged, like, deal. And it's like, it's plagiarism. I don't know, is it plagiarism if you plagiarize yourself? I don't know. But it's like, you've taken something and you've actually managed to fucking make it worse. And you've come fairly close to ruining the original while you were doing it. Like, oh, I don't know. I, I really, really, really just strongly disapprove of that. Um, And I had, uh, what? Oh, no, sorry. I Googled it. Um. I googled this thing because uh, in Black Skinhead, Kanye says, four in the morning, I'm zoning, uh, keep it 300 like the Romans. And um, I googled this to see if it was listed in like a um, worst lyrics ever kind of thing, or if Kanye had ever been asked about this lyric and asked to explain it. And I found this thread on Reddit where this guy says 300 in Roman numerals equals CCC, cool, calm, and collected, right? And it's just, that is, let's say that that's true. Let's say that Kanye said 300 uh, like the Romans, and he wasn't trying to say Spartans, and he didn't think that the Spartans were from Rome, and he actually meant cool, calm, and collected nobody would believe that he thinks he's any of those things <laughs> like he's like the least cool calm and collected person of all fucking time and it doesn't even make sense in the context of the song either um i think he's trying to say that he's a like a warrior and he goes out and, and smashes shit up and kicks people into really large pits and stuff like that but um i i love it when people try and justify really shitty lyrics like um i found oh no i'm not actually gonna say this i i once attempted to argue that the song um some might say by oasis is actually a really profound and clever song um so like the chorus of it goes i'm standing at the station in need of education in the rain and uh i used to be like yeah he's um he's on the bounce from school he's taking a day off school uh, which is what the need of education bit is, and he's gone to the train station uh, to to get the train somewhere for the day, and it's raining out. It's a very good line. <laughs> and then there's a, a, another part in the chorus that says, the sink is full of fishes, she's got dirty dishes on the brain. And uh, I was like, yeah, well, it's pretty obvious that like her problems are bigger than just dirty dishes. Like, um, they're not even in her sink. Her sink has something that isn't even dishes. The dishes are in her brain, like all of this shit. And I would do anything to fucking defend the bands that I loved. But then I got older and I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. You can admit that lyrics are really bad. Um, but I think most of the ones that I've said here are just especially bad, particularly the Coldplay ones, because, uh, like, and to his credit, Chris Martin has said that his lyrics are shit. But I think that that trapeze shit and the full stop rather than a or rather be a comma than a full stop thing. I honestly think that that's something that's just like it should be illegal to sincerely sing that kind of thing, you know. But um, I think I think that's it. I think we're done for the day. Um, that's been episode one hundred twenty six. I hope to have another one next week, and if not. I myself and Miguel are going to be bringing back uh, WWP for a few episodes um, just to see how that goes um, so if anyone's interested in wrestling we're going to be reviewing um, the ECW One Night Stand from 2006 uh, which I think was a sensational pay-per-view and also it'll be the first bit of ECW that we've uh, talked about on the channel and also we're going to review Wrestlemania which for even those of you who don't watch wrestling right 
um, obviously because of the coronavirus, you can't have like 150,000 people into a stadium, which would be the official number of fans at WrestleMania. Um, so they're holding WrestleMania behind closed doors. And it's like UFC are doing that with um, UFC 249. Um, and it's like, that's fair enough because irrespective of the crowd, you're still going to get a sense of the skills on show. Like you're still going to get a sense of who won the fights and stuff like that. But wrestling is not really like UFC in any way. And for the events to go ahead without a crowd just leaves you open for so many disasters. Like for example, in wrestling, and not a lot of people know this, but wrestling's actually fake. Uh, in the sense that the moves they do on each other um, are designed to not only minimize impact, um, but also they're predetermined and they tell each other what moves they're going to do. And there's one fella in wrestling called John Cena who is very, very, very loud. And even in an arena with 150,000 people, you would still be able to hear John Cena shouting the move that he is planning on doing next. So um, in an empty arena, I don't know how that's going to sound like... It, it also, it just doesn't really feel, like, part of what makes WrestleMania such a, a sensational sort of event is that it's spectacular, and it attracts a huge audience, and it's a kind of a festival of wrestling, and um, the fact that that's not going to be there is just going to be very, very strange, so I don't know if I'm going to bother watching. Um, it's on over two nights this year as well. It's on a Saturday and a Sunday, and as far as I know, the Saturday is pre-recorded, which could actually be pretty interesting, um, but the Sunday then is going to be live from a performance center in Tampa, Florida. And I just feel like that's going to be weird. Like, um, I think maybe postponing it might've been the better idea. I'm not really too sure. Um, but UFC are having the same problem with their, one of their main events. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to go ahead, uh, because Khabib Nurmagomedov can't get out of Dagestan. He's apparently stranded there. Uh, and he was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson. This is the fifth time that fight has been booked, and it's going to be the fifth time that it didn't happen. So, um, I don't know. It's uh, it's strange. I guess you have like a whole kind of um, discussion about the ethics of, of holding uh, sports events during this time or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a very strange time without football too. To to know what to be at. Apparently, the Belarusian league is on fire at the moment for views, and everybody is is watching it. Um, I don't know, I miss gambling. I was gambling on virtual horses the other day because there's no actual horses to gamble on and stuff like that. And it's you're like, you know you're in a really bad shape when you're <laughs> looking at virtual horses. Anyways, I'm rambling. Um, I have a horrible habit of doing that. Uh, as I said at the start, I hope you guys are all safe. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have anything to add or anything that you feel like would be um, interesting, leave it in the comment section and other than that i hope to see you next week or the week after fuck this
stuff makes me dizzy I guess I've always been a delicate man It takes me a day to remember a day I didn't mean to let it get so far out of hand I was a comfortable kid But I don't think about it much anymore table put flowers in my mouth and we can say that we invented a summer love and torture party i'm too tired to drive anywhere anyway right now do you care if i stay you can put on your bathing suits and i'll try to find something on this thing that means nothing enough you and your sister live in that world i want to sit in and die Thank you.